We are presently at the end of the time of human government and near the time of the establishment of the kingdom of God upon the earth. And I will provide several specific things prophesied for the end time that are in the process of happening right now on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. And I'm still here in Indianapolis, Indiana. Myself, Doug Norvell, and our team were at the huge general conference for our uh, organization. And we've been coming every year. And we had to skip last year because of COVID. But we're back this year having a wonderful conference uh, downtown Indianapolis. And So we're broadcasting from our booth here. You may have seen it if you watch us on Facebook or some of the other social networking sites, YouTube. Uh, Doug Norvell did a video yesterday uh, with our booth and everything. If you'd like to go see it, go to End Time Ministries' Facebook page. However, let me get right off into the program today. There are, we, we get asked all the time, you guys say we're in the end time, prove it. And there are so many ways for us to do that. I, when I'm asked that, you know, what do you, somebody says, what do you guys do for a living? And I say, well, we teach the prophecies of the Bible. We specialize in that. And they say, oh, you guys are prophecy guys. Okay, prove we're in the end time. Well, I ask them, which prophecy do you want me to talk about? Because I can, all of them concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ have either already occurred, they're in the process of occurring right now, or we're watching precursors to every single one of them, leading up to the second coming in Jesus Christ, everyone. Things are happening now that have never happened on the planet. Things are happening now that were not happening when my father-in-law passed. He didn't know about some of the stuff that's going on right now. I mean, it's happening that quickly. And so I'm going to go through and give you nine things today, proofs that you can use to prove we are in the end time. Number one, there's a war. World War III is coming. We know that there's not one-tenth of one percent chance that it won't happen. It's going to happen. It's prophesied in Scripture, and we know that. So there's a war. World War III will begin from the vicinity of the Euphrates River region, and it's going to kill one-third of the human race. Now, I I honestly really don't like talking about this. Uh, It it is an ominous prophecy. I don't, we don't sow fear. We're sowing hope, faith, trust in Jesus Christ, revival in the end time. But this prophecy is going to happen. Just like other ominous prophecies have occurred in the past, this one's coming. World War I, uh, what was there, about uh, 5.2-ish million killed. World War II. Two, I'm sorry, no, there was just over 8 million killed in World War I. World War II, 52 million killed. And in this next war that's coming, World War III, the Bible says one-third of the world's population. It's found in Revelation 9, verse 13 through 16. 
From this prophecy, we know that World War III is going to originate from the Euphrates River region. It's located in Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and it forms the, the border between Iraq and Iran the last about 50, 60 miles before it empties into the Persian Gulf. And you look at what's going on in the Middle East right now. The, the, the geopolitical situation going over, the, the, the religious situation between the Sunnis and the, the Shia Muslims and the Israel and the United States and, and Russia and China and everybody else that's involved there, everybody trying to get their little uh, control over their little piece of the Middle East, um, you can see this war shaping up. So when the smoke clears, one-third of the entire Earth's population will have been destroyed. And also, according to Scripture, there's going to be an army of 200 million that will participate in this war. And currently, the nations of China, India, along with the Islamic faction on the planet, could all field an army of 200 million. So, if you've seen what's happened over the last few years, the, you know, during the war with ISIS and ISIL, ISIS captured approximately, what, 40% of the Euphrates River. The world's two nuclear superpowers, Russia and the United States, both had forces fighting against ISIS on either side of the Euphrates. And Russia attacked ISIS on the west side of the Euphrates. The United States fought ISIS on the east side. And that left the two world's leading superpowers encamped on either side of the Euphrates River, which is we still have troops there today. Over the last several years, major conflicts have erupted involving Turkey, the, the Turkey-Syrian opposition, the, the Operation Euphrates Shield, the Syrian Civil War, the Iraq, uh, the 2003 invasion of Iraq by the United States, and now the tensions boiling between the United States, Iran, Israel over the nuclear situation, and Iran coming over and bombing Israel, a lot of different things. They are, I should say, Saudi Arabia, different things, um, ships out in the Mediterranean that are controlled by Israel. I mean, it's, it's the most volatile place on the planet as we speak. The Bible says there's a war coming that will emanate from this region. And w one of the things all of these conflicts have had in common is that they've all have occurred in the Euphrates ri River region. Why didn't it say um, in the Bible that it would emanate from the South America? When's the last time you've known of a major conflict that happened in South America or in Antarctica or in... Um, somewhere in Canada. Why didn't it say that? 2,000 years ago, John said World War III is going to emanate out of the most volatile region on the planet right now, the Euphrates River region. Think about that. And John didn't know what it would be, the geopolitical situation or the religious situation in the Middle East 2,000 years in the future, but he does now. But we do now. And so John said in this region, that's where it would occur. Now, the Jerusalem Post also uh, just recently said that the um, Iranian foreign minister, the spokesman, said that war with Israel has already started. He said the war with Israel has already started and that Israel has carried out attacks that were intended to destroy our nuclear program for peaceful purposes. So they have attacked Iran's nuclear uh, facilities. And that they said that it, uh, Israel murdered a nuclear scientist and harmed the Iranian people. Iran is accused of terrorism, but there is no good or bad terrorist. Now, this is from the Iranian foreign minister. I mean, come on. And then the whole crisis in the region is Israel's fault, is what they've said. Of course, we know that that's not true. Iran's the number one state sponsor of terrorism on the planet. 
And then the Jewish News Syndicate said, hey, World War III has already begun. These are what's being talked about in the news, folks. Uh, a guy named Ken Abramowitz wrote an article. He said, there's no compatibility, compatibility between the, the national objectives of Iran and the United States. Either one or the other can prevail, but not both. And so there are people that believe we're already in World War III. And so it's very important that we know the war is coming. It's prophesied in the Bible. All the prophecies that are supposed to have occurred have already happened. Those events have occurred, and this is one of the next prophecies to be fulfilled on God's prophetic timeline. And we'll get more off into these prophecies and proofs that we're in the end time when we get back from the break. God bless each and every one of you. Major Internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, you can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills. But God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV. And now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. So World War Three is coming. Bible prophesied it 2,000 years ago, and it's on its way. I mean, it, 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 so this article from Ken Abramowitz, uh, World War Three, that we've already begun that. The conflict, he says, we now unfortunately find ourselves in is far from complex and more confusing than World War Two. He said a good example is America's principal enemy, Iran. This, I mean, I, I watch this all the time. I keep my eyes upon Iran because Iran not going, is not going away. The Syrian civil war come and went. Many of these other conflicts come and go. But Iran, it, many believe that we've been at war with them for the last 40, 50 years. Iran supported by Russia, China, and the European Union, which is what the article says, which declared war on America 40 years ago, continuously preaches genocide against the United States, death to America, and Israel, death to Israel. 
And as the aggressor, they say, Iran relatively successfully uses all forms of modern warfare, physical, cultural, economic, legal, demographic, and cyber. And it has created three worldwide terror arms specializing in physical terrorism, narco-terrorism, and cultural terrorism, with an estimated 450,000 terrorist operatives in over 30 countries. Iran's goal is to take over the world and convert everyone to Islam, particularly its Shiite version, using all forms of warfare. America's goal, in contrast, is to live in peace and prosperity while encouraging all democracies, about 50% of the global population, and dictatorships, the other 50%, to join in worldwide economic growth. So there are many people that believe, I could go down a list of them, but there are many people that believe World War III has already begun and it has not escalated to the point where we would have mass casualties. And so World War III is coming. One of the prophecies prophesied 2,000 years ago to occur just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. World War III, the Sixth Trumpet War, Battle of Armageddon, two separate wars. World War III, the Sixth Trumpet War, occurs prior to the Great Tribulation. The Battle of Armageddon occurs at the very end of the Great Tribulation. Okay. So, proof we're living in the end time. That's proof number one. Proof number two. A Palestinian-Israeli peace agreement will signal the beginning of the final seven years to Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. The, the final seven years, folks, to the second coming of Jesus Christ will begin when the Antichrist and the international community give their support to Israel's right to exist in the land promised to Abraham by God in Genesis 15, 18. It's called the Confirmation of the Covenant. That's found in Daniel 9, 27. Most prophecies will refer to it as Daniel's 70th week. But, so, there's a peace agreement that's going to be signed that starts the final seven years. It's not the Abraham Accords could lead to the peace agreement, but the Abraham Accords currently is not it. You know, there's a belief in the international community that if, if Israel and the Palestinians cannot reach a settlement, that the world community should formulate a peace plan and insist that both sides accept it. Before his election, uh, Donald... Before, yeah, before he was president, Donald Trump declared the number one goal of his presidency would be to achieve peace between Israel and her Arab neighbors. And, of course, he wanted to get something done between the Israelis and the Palestinians, too. That will be the peace agreement. It's very important. You may not understand all the nuances of it, but it, the, the peace agreement that starts the final seven years, that'll be between Israel and the Palestinians. I'm not going to take time to prove that today. We've talked about it many times. I'll go through it many more times on the radio, and so will Doug and Vince. But the fact of the matter is, is today, that's what we're watching for. So now you can see the Abraham Accords is going in a, a, another direction. It's bringing all the Arab neighbors in, but it could eventually lead to the Palestinians and Israelis. But after three years of determined diplomacy, President Trump surprised the world by announcing a peace agreement between Israel and the United Arab, Arab Emirates. A few days later, Bahrain announced that they would establish it too. And then in September of 2020, representatives from Israel, the United States, United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, met in Washington, D.C. on the White House lawn. And there they signed the Abraham Accords. All of this led to that. And then um, 
But the Abraham Accords, again, is not it. I have a lot of people calling me saying, hey, you know, the Abraham Accords, we missed it. The final seven years started. No, no, not yet. They have not started yet. When, the, when it's between Israel and the Palestinians, that's when we know it was started. So, very important. Um, that, so, how will we know what's the peace agreement? Because a lot of people say, oh, how do you know a peace agreement is going to, you know, which one? There's been the Oslo Peace Accords, the Y River Accords, all these different things. And the, the ambient noise you're hearing in the background, we're at a general conference. So just, <laughs> we're going to have to deal with it today and tomorrow. Uh, we've got children's stuff going on, and I mean, they're going nuts down there, and kids are going crazy and having a blast. So um, in the middle of my important prophecy radio program, we've got the children down here playing drums and going crazy. So you know how it is at a conference, everybody, so just have to bear with us. Anyway, so the competition, the completion of the Abraham Accords has to contain six elements. The Oslo Peace Accords was not the one that started the final seven years. The Y River Accords was not the one that started the final seven years. Okay? So it's going to be a, a peace agreement between the Israelis and Palestinians, but there's going to be characteristics to that. Number one, the Palestinians have to be included in the peace agreement. Number two, a Palestinian homeland must be established in Judea, the West Bank. And, you know, Israel should not do this. According to Scripture... They absolutely should not trade land for peace. But the Bible says they're going to. Genesis 15, 18 describes the covenant made by God to Abraham. It says, in the same day, the Lord... Now, the reason I want to read this to you is because I read the other day where a gentleman said that um, it's not land for peace because it was never Israel's land to trade for peace. That's absolutely a false statement. That's a total false narrative put out by the international community. God gave this land to Israel. Period. End of discussion, folks. It's Israel's land given to them by God as an everlasting covenant. So even though they may have been driven from their homeland and went into exile for 2,000 years, it's still Israel's land. It doesn't matter what the international community thinks. It doesn't matter what all the Arab nations think god gave them that land they need to they need to we we need to teach them all a bible study so they can get on board with the whole thing so the bible says genesis 15 18 in the same day the lord who is the end of discussion right here the lord the lord made a covenant with abraham if the lord makes a covenant with you it doesn't matter what satan the international community or anybody else thinks so in the same day the lord made a covenant with abraham saying unto thy seed Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and that lineage unto thy seed will I have given this land from the river of Egypt all the way up to the river Euphrates. You understand, Israel only has a small sliver of that right now. But, so they should inhabit much more than they have. Will come a day when they do that. At the time of this divine promise, Abraham was in the land of Israel. And the Abrahamic covenant was God's promise to Abraham that the promised land would belong to him and his descendants forever. And then, But then he, in Numbers it says this. Numbers 33, I uh, believe it's 50 all the way down. So it would be 50 through 56. The New Living Translation says this. While they were camped near the Jordan, they're ready to go into the promised land on the plains of Moab opposite of Jericho. 
the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you cross the Jordan River into the land of Canaan, you must drive out all the people living there. You must destroy all their carved and molten images, demolish their pagan shrines, take possession of the land, and settle in it. Notice, he said, take possession of the land and settle in it. This is from God. And so... That he said, because I've given it to you to occupy. It's your land. You must distribute, you must distribute the land among the clans by sacred lot in, the, in proportion to their size. And a, a, a larger portion of land will be allotted to each of the larger clans. A smaller portion allotted to the smaller clans. The decision of the sacred lot is final. In this way, the portions of land will be divided among your ancestral tribes. But if you fail to drive out, this is very important. Listen, look at the current geopolitical situation today between Israel and the Palestinians. God said, if you fail to drive out the people who live in the land, those who remain will be like splinters in your eyes and thorns in your sides. Is that happening today? You better believe it is. The Bible says, they will harass you in the land where you live, and I will do to you what I plan to do to them. And so they were supposed to go in, possess the land. And then in Exodus 23, verse 32 through 33, the Bible says, You shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. So Israel's not supposed to make a covenant with anybody in the land. But the Bible says they're going to. And so you you remember Israel's former prime minister, Netanyahu, openly stated the number one goal of his administration was to obtain the support of the international community for Israel's final borders, and he openly embraced the two-state solution in his famous Bar-Alon speech in 2009. Folks, that's trading Israeli land given to them by God, trading land for peace. Yair Lapid who is the, uh, in a sharing arrangement with Naftali Bennett in the current, current government. He will take over as prime minister in September of 2023. He's now Israel's foreign minister. He said, hey, it's no secret that I support a two-state solution. So there are leaders in Israel today that are willing to give up land, the promised land, for peace. Can you imagine King David making a covenant with Goliath and saying, oh, yeah, we'll give you some of the promised land if, you'll just, if there'll just be peace? Well, that's what Israel's fixing to do. And then Israel National News, they, they, they said that there's a Palestinian state in process funded by 3 billion euros from the European Union. That they're built, that the uh, each EU country has its own sphere of influence in Judea and Samaria and East Jerusalem. EU countries, are they send money and experts and Palestinians build entire neighborhoods and they forget about the planning permission. They're not worried about that. And they're doing it out in Area C. So there was a question that was posed to a guy named Gilad Ak. He's the director of a nonprofit organization, and he's the um, and the answer is really shocking. He said, "Hey, while Jewish construction in Area C has been severely curtailed, if not outright frozen during recent years, Palestinian construction under the auspices of the Palestinian Authority is going right ahead, funded by members of the European Union." And so Area C, which is under effective Israel control, if you understand how it was divided up years ago, there's Area A, B, and C. 
Area C is effective Israel control and in the event of a future peace deal will likely be included within Israel's sovereign borders. And this hasn't been stopped. This hasn't stopped countries like Germany and Great Britain from transferring huge sums of money to the Palestinian Authority to be used for Palestinian construction. And Ock actually said, hey, this is this is an old story. Even if you're hearing it for the first time, he said this goes all the way back to 2012. He said when a, a number of EU countries, primarily Great Britain and Germany, decided to convert to the humanitarian aid that they were transferring to the Palestinian Authority into practical assistance toward establishing a de facto Palestinian state. A lot of people say, oh, no, this is never going to happen. It's happening right now, folks. They just they haven't signed a covenant yet because Israel's not on board with what they're doing. But it's actually, it's happening now. And they're wanting to put three billion euros in by 2030 to advance a Palestinian state. Now, that's one of the characteristics that we're talking about in the final peace agreement. That's how we'll know. Also, the Jews living in Judea, yeah, so now with all that said, I'm proving to you that we're living in the end time right now. Jesus knew that there would be a volatile situation going on in the West Bank or the Judean area at the time, just prior to his second coming. And that's exactly what's going on right now. Also, the peace agreement, there would be uh, Jews living in Judea that would be allowed to remain there, living in the midst of Palestinians. A lot of people have, have called and said, oh, no, that, there's no way. The Jews would never live out there under Palestinian rule. I have articles. I've got documentation of people, Jews that live out there as settlements. They want peace so bad that they said, oh, yeah, we'd be willing to yield up our sovereignty to a Palestinian authority. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. But I've got articles that state that. Jews living out there. Now, some of them will flee when it gets real bad. But there will be some that will stay out there, and it's not going to look too pretty for them. And then number four of the peace agreement we're watching for, the Temple Mount's going to be placed under a sharing arrangement so that all religions can worship there. And a lot of people, have, I mean, we get this, folks, all the time. People have said, no, there's no way they'll ever share the Temple Mount. The Jewish press said, hey, there's a bombshell that the Jewish court just approved. Now, this was a couple days ago that the Jewish court just approved a Jewish prayer on the Temple Mount. Think about that. The Jews were driven into exile back in 70 A.D., but now the court just approved that they could pray there. How long it will stand, I don't know. But this happened on... Um, so the Jerusalem Magistrates Court Judge Bila Yahalam on Wednesday revoked a restraining order that was handed to Jews who prayed on the Temple Mount and confirmed that it was permissible for Jews to pray quietly in the holiest Jewish site on the planet. And it constitutes the first explicit legal decision allowing Jews to pray quietly inside the Temple Mount compound. Folks, we're living in the end time right now. And we're just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ to this earth. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, The Unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2. The late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. So just a couple more characteristics of the peace agreement that starts the final seven years. Israel will be allowed to build her third temple on the Temple Mount. And then Jerusalem will remain undivided under Israeli control all the way to the end. Even to the Battle of Armageddon, the Bible says that half of the city will be captured. But up until that point, Israel is going to retain control of the entire city. And then once God comes back and defeats the international armies that have come against her, Israel is going to get the promised land back. So once the Palestinians become a part of the peace agreement... And again, the Abraham Accords could lead to that, but it will be the, this peace agreement will contain these provisions. The final seven years to Armageddon will begin. Now, are we living in the end time? Oh, come on, everybody! You know we are. Number three, number three proof we're living in the end time. The West Bank, Judea, and Israel will become part of the Great Tribulation. Um, so, let me give you a little history behind this. 1948, when the Jordanians invaded the West Bank in an attempt to destroy the nation of Israel. Israel just come back together as a nation. They attacked Israel. Jordan joined in. Um, as soon as it was born, they drove out every Jewish person living in the West Bank area. This was back again in 1948. And consequently, there were zero Jews living out in the West Bank when Israel reclaimed the territory in the 1967 Six Days War. So when the Jordanians were driven back into their own country, consider the borders today, right down the Jordan Valley, when they were driven back into the country, Jews began to return to their homes. Okay, So I want you to understand, Jews already lived out there. They were driven out when, when Jordan came in and took over and drove them out of there. They were just going back out to live in their homes. Many other Jews built homes on unoccupied grand, uh, ground, and those homes multiplied into settlements and then ultimately became towns. And they're referred to as, in, in the international community, in the news every day, they're referred to as the settlements. Jews living out there are referred to as settlers. So as a result, there are around 
you know, 800,000-ish Jews living in Judea, Samaria today. And it is this West Bank territory where Palestinians want to establish their Palestinian state. But what do they do with the Jews that are living there, right? So in a speech to a joint meeting at the U.S. Congress back in 2011, Prime Minister Netanyahu at that time stated, in any peace agreement that ends in a conflict, some settlements will end up beyond Israeli's borders. They'll stay living out there as a Jewish minority. Former Palestinian Prime Minister Shalom Fayyad, he offered a solution to the problem. He said that the Jews could just remain in a new Palestinian state just like there are Arabs living in an Israeli state. Now, this is a 2,000-year-old prophecy. Jesus prophesied about this in Matthew, the, the Matthew 24 Olivet Discourse. And I, I know there's some people have said, well, hey, the Palestinians aren't even mentioned in the final seven-year prophecy with the peace agreement and everything. They absolutely are. Jesus was talking about our time, the end of the age. He knew what it would be like in our time. And he knew that there would be Jews living out in the West Bank under a volatile situation. Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about. He knew that today. Jesus knew 2,000 years ago today that there would be Palestinians living there. And so he knew that, and he prophesied about it. Now, he doesn't use the word Palestinian, but he knew the, uh, what was going, that what would be happening, the geopolitical situation in the Middle East at that point. So he said, hey, when you see the abomination of desolation occur, those Jews that are living out there, they're going to have to flee because then would be great tribulation such as never been before and never is going to be again, ever. So he knew there would be a volatile situation during that time. So that's what's going to happen. That's proof number three. That volatile situation Jesus was talking about is forming right now. And it's supposed that the, the uh, situation he was talking about, that event, when you see the abomination, let them which be in Judea flee. That will have to, uh, that would occur three and one half years prior to his second coming. And so he prophesied about that. Well, so now people would say, uh, 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 can you guys prove we're in the end time? Folks, I'm proving it to you with everything I'm saying right now. When the prophesied agreement is finally concluded, this is the solution that the settlement problem will be that, that will, be, will be implemented, and the arrangement will work for three and one-half years, the first three and one-half years of the final seven. Then Jesus prophesied at that time the Palestinians would turn on the Jews, living among them, and would begin to, I'm sorry to say, slaughter them. There's going to be another Jewish holocaust. And this is going to trigger the time known as the Great Tribulation. And the peace plans presently under consideration, they are setting the stage for that prophecy, prophecy to be fulfilled. Okay. <clears throat> Number four, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem will be placed under a sharing arrangement between Jews and Gentiles. This is Revelation 11, 1 and 2. Back on November 1, uh, some of you may remember this. We talked about it. We talked about it many times. In uh, November 1, 2013, Bayit Yehudi, which is the Jewish Home Party, they introduced a bill to the Israeli Knesset that would place the Temple Mount under a sharing arrangement. This would be unheard of 2,000 years ago. Imagine King David and Goliath sharing the Temple Mount. You think that'd be possible? There's no way. But the Bible says they're going to share it in the near future. <clears throat> so, if, if enacted, this bill would allow Jews and Muslims to worship and pray on the Temple equally, equally. And this potentially explosive bill is still under consideration. Now, number five proof. 
The Jewish temple is going to be built on the Temple Mount. Revelation 11, 1 and 2, and 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 3 through 4. I know there are many people that say, no, it's not going to be built there. It's going to be built in the down in the city of David. It's going to be built in Nablus and all these other different places. However, the Bible tells us where it stood. So <clears throat> in March of 2016, Temple Institute initiated a plan to identify, select, and register Kohanim priests. Why? The rebuilding of the third temple. That they, these guys would be eligible to take part in the process of preparing the red heifer, which, was, which is used in the ritual of purification for those who would perform the Torah-based commandments. And for the first time in 2,000 years, Rabbi Heim Richman, who's over the Temple Institute, after miraculously returning to the land of Israel, they're beginning the process of restating the biblical purity of the Jewish priesthood. That's why they have a huge ranch in Israel solely devoted to creating a red heifer. <clears throat> they're crossbreeding. They're doing everything they can trying to create a true red heifer that will be red at the time, at the like in, in the third year. So all the furniture for Israel's third temple is now complete. Um, and a lot of people say, well, how do you know Solomon's temple was built? built the first temple in the, was it built in the city of David no the Bible tells the exact location of Solomon's temple you understand that people say well it was never built up on the Temple Mount that's one of Israel's claim to that area you understand so people are actually um, on the board of the uh, on the side of the Palestinians if they say it wasn't built up there they're saying oh no it, it was built somewhere else they could build it we could go ahead and move off into anything no the Bible specifically tells us that it was not built in the city of David, which is where a lot of people says it was built. In 2 Chronicles 5, 1-2, if you've ever been to Israel, you've been to Jerusalem, and you've seen that where the city of David is, it's um, to the south and it's on the side of a hill going down to the Gihon Springs. And the Temple Mount sits way up on top of the hill. So listen at Second Chronicles 5, 1 through 2. The Bible says, Thus all the work of Solomon, Solomon built the first temple. It says, Thus all the work of Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. This, and Solomon brought in all the things that David his father had dedicated, the silver, the gold, the instruments, put he among the treasures of the house of God. Get this. Then Solomon assembled the, the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel unto Jerusalem to bring up the Ark of the Covenant out of of the Lord, out of the city of David, which is Zion. So they brought the Ark of the Covenant when the temple was completed out of the city of David up to the house of the Lord. If you've ever been to Israel, you stand down in the city of David, you look all the way up, way up to the, to the temple mount, way up above. And this is exactly the situation. Another one, First uh, Kings chapter 8, verse 1 through 4. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel, unto King Solomon in Jerusalem, that they might bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David. This is so important, everybody, which is Zion. And all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto King of the King uh, Solomon at the feast in the month of Ethanim, which is the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came, and the priests took up the ark, and they brought up the Ark of the Covenant and, and the tabernacle of the congregation, all the holy vessels which were in the tabernacle, even those did the priests and the Levites bring up. They took it out of the city of David up to the house of the Lord. So when he finished the first temple located on the Temple Mount, 
King Solomon gathered the elders and the priests, bring the Ark of the Covenant out of the city of David up to the house of the Lord. You know, and that's the thing. It's very important if you understand the topography in Jerusalem and how everything's located, the Temple Mount, the Mount of Olives, the Kidron Valley, the city of David on the side of the hill. You can see it plain as day, everybody. The temple was not built in the city of David. I've been in the tunnel that comes from the, the, the Gihon Springs down below up to, and they come out right at the, at the corner of the temple. On the, it would be the southeast corner. It does not come up and go into the city of David. It bypasses the city of David on the west side. And so once you've been there and immersed yourself in the, the culture and you know what happened there and you listen to your guides and you understand it all, there's no way that you could say the temple was built in the city of David. So when the third temple is going to be built, built they won't build it, build it in the city of David. They won't build it out in Nablus. They won't build it in another location. They're going to build it up on the Temple Mount. The Bible says they will. And so it's very, very important that we understand these things because it, it, we need to know what to watch for in the end time. There, the Bible says God is not the author of, of confusion. He's not going to say, well, you know, there's going to be a, a third temple, but it could be a building in Europe somewhere, or it could be a building in South America or South Africa, or maybe it's over in the Philippines. No. We, God gave us these prophecies to understand so we would know. We're not going to be guessing. We're going to know exactly what's going on because God will not leave his church wandering around in a fog. Daniel chapter 11, the Bible says, During the time of the Antichrist, that they that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits, and they that understand among the people. It didn't say they that are confused and wandering around like they don't have a clue what they're doing. No. He said, they that understand among the people are going to instruct many. We can't instruct if we don't know, right? So, man, am I glad I'm serving a God that has helped us to understand these things. He gave us a word, and he said, look, I'm going to show you guys what's going on. Here, I'm going to expose what the Antichrist is doing. I'm going to expose what uh, is the, the devil's master plan in the end time. You guys are going to know. You're not going to be wondering. You're going to know so you can instruct others. Wow. Man, am I excited about this. I, I, honestly, I'm not living in fear mode. I've been talking to our team. I've been talking. We're at a general conference in Indianapolis, Indiana, talking to so many pastors and missionaries, people all over the world. And I said, you know what? If I was not serving the Lord Jesus Christ, I would be scared. Because we got some people at the helm that are just running helter-skelter. But because I'm serving the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not scared a bit. Fear will put you... It, it's gonna fear will paralyze you in the end time, but if you're serving Jesus Christ, I'm energized. I'm ready to go out and evangelize this world. The greatest time of revival this world's ever known is ahead of us, and we are excited and we're moving straight forward and we're instructing others on these events that are coming in the near future. God bless. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Wow. So we are living in the end time, folks. I, I love this stuff. I love teaching it. I love preaching about it. I love saying the name of Jesus Christ on the radio. There's a lot of people that won't even say his name anymore. But I love Jesus. I'm serving Jesus. I worship Jesus. And I'm so thankful because the Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. My safety is in Jesus Christ, folks. I'm looking for Jesus Christ someday very soon to split those clouds wide open and to come back and the angels are going to blow a trumpet. And guess what? My feet are going to leave the ground. That's what we're looking for. That's my goal. I want to spend eternity with him. And he's my source of safety. He's my source of comfort, my source of peace in the midst of all this chaos Jesus Christ has wrapped his arms around me. He loves me. I love him. I'm serving him. And I hope you do as well. If you don't know Jesus Christ, contact End Time Ministries. 1-800-363-8463. Call and talk to Doug Norvell. Call and talk to myself, uh, Vince Stegall, any of us, any of the ministers on staff. Email us, drobbins at endtime.com. We're here to help you to get a relationship with him. He's our ticket out of here, folks. And so I know some of these things sound a little apocalyptic and some, you know, uh, but the fact of the matter is I'm not looking for this apocalyptic situation. I know that these are events that are created by the Lord to put a sense of urgency in people to set the stage for the greatest time of revival this world's ever known. I'm not worried about Joe Biden. I'm not worried about the Antichrist. I'm not worried about Emmanuel Macron. I'm not worried about any of those guys. I want to know Jesus What do you want me to do in the end time? How can I further your cause? How can I build your kingdom and expand your kingdom in the earth? Man, I wish I'm I'm sitting behind a pup table at a conference in Indianapolis, and I could almost use it as a pulpit right now. Okay, I got four more proofs we're living in the end time. Let's get to all four of them before the end of the program. The sixth proof, the Temple Mount would be placed under a sharing, uh, under a... um, the supervision of the world community in the end time and which will at the time of the Antichrist and that the Antichrist will stand on the Temple Mount claiming to be God. So there's this let me give you a little history here. Because in nineteen forty seven, Great Britain relinquished uh, to the United Nations the power to make decisions relating to the status of the land of Israel. The General Assembly appointed a special committee that collected evidence and decided unanimously that Israel granted independence. Most of the committee members favored partitioning the land into two states, a Jewish state and an Arab state, with Jerusalem under international supervision. This is all the way back in 1947. And then on November 29, 1947, 
the UN General Assembly accepted the partition resolution. 33 to 13. So we know that this is going to be the situation in the end time. It's going to be a sharing arrangement on the Temple Mount. You know, when President Bill Clinton was leading negotiation between Yasser Arafat and the Israeli um, Prime Minister, let's see who was that? That was Ehud Barak back in Camp David. That was in July of 2000. The talk stalled on the issue of the Temple Mount. And Arafat said that the Muslims, hey, we just can't give it up. No, it's not, never going to happen. Ehud Barak said that the Muslims had, hey, he said, hey, you guys have your first holy site in Mecca, the second, your second holy site in Medina. And he argued, he said, the Jews don't even have their first holy site, obviously the Temple Mount. Arafat said, nope, can't give it up. President Clinton said, look, why don't you guys just share it? Did he know the prophecies of the Bible? I don't know if he did or not, but that's what the Bible says is going to happen. Arafat said, no, it won't work. We can't give it up. And he said, and he contended that, but Bill Clinton said, look, just share it, guys. He gave the solution of what the Bible says is going to happen. There's going to be a sharing arrangement in the near future. But, folks, the, the, all this is supposed to happen just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ, you understand. I'm proving to you over and over and over. We're living in the end time. And I'm telling you, I want to say thank you to everybody because the crazier times get, the more people are looking to end time and saying, uh, help, what in the world's going on? And so it's very cool. And so thank you. Thank you for supporting us with your prayers, with your finances, because this is going out around the world, and a lot of people are having clarity. You say, uh, you know, uh, there's nothing, and, and, we, and I know, Dave Robbins, Doug Norvell, there's nothing special about us. God has chosen us to lead this ministry in the end time. Thank God for Irvin Baxter. He brought us, he gave us, God revealed all these prophecies to him. And so everybody is joined together and we're working together to promote and build the kingdom of God. We're not, um, we're not building end times kingdom. We're not building a, 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 our physical kingdom here on the earth. We're working to expand the kingdom of God in the earth. Jesus Christ taught the kingdom of God. And the gospel of the kingdom of God. The apostles taught the gospel of the kingdom of God. What are we doing here at End Time Ministries? We're teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God around this world. So these times are getting crazy. But God's given us peace in the midst of this storm, everybody. So, number seven proof. A world government will dominate the world for three and a half years prior to the Battle of Armageddon. And, you know, it's... The world government, we're seeing it happening right now. The nations of the world are increasingly recognizing the authority of international law. You've heard about people wanting to take Israel before the World Bank. Um, Mahmoud Abbas, the leader of the Palestinian Authority, he's saying that all the time. Well, we'll just take Israel before the World Bank. Or, I'm sorry, the World Court. The International Criminal Court. It, it, that's, a, that's World Government 101. The, the World Bank, World Trade Organization. World Health Organization, the World Court, the United Nations. Those are just a few entities of the world government, everybody. And so when you hear the terms globalization, sustainable development, international community, global governance, liberal international order, new world order, global political authority, United Nations, those are all synonymous terms for world government. And the Bible prophesied about it, uh, Daniel 7.23, Revelation 13.1-8, a world-governing body led by the Antichrist in the end time. You want to know what's going on on our southern border? Well, Strobe Talbot told us years ago. 
He said he was the president of the Brookings Institution from, uh, what, 2002 to 2017, and a former deputy secretary of state for Bill Clinton administration. He said in an article, he wrote an article in, man, it was uh, Time Magazine, July of 92. It's called The Birth of a Global Nation. I, I could always quote it. He said in the next century, the century we're in right now, in the next century, nationhood as we know it will be obsolete. All states will recognize a single global authority, a world government. So that and so and a borderless, no, no more nationhood. Well, guess what's going on on our southern border right now? They're trying to turn the United States. They're trying to do away with our nationhood, folks. No more borders. Don't protect your borders. Let anybody come in who wants. And so that's the goal of every globalist, along with the United Nations, the removal of national borders and the creation of a single global community which answers to a world government. That's the goal. The Bible says it would happen. It's a 2,000-year-old prophecy. We're watching it happening as we speak. Are we in the end time? You better believe we are. We're just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Number eight proof. Each person on earth will be required to to have a mark or a number in order to buy or sell. Not even possible until the last, what, 40 years or so, 40, 50 years? So, the, Revelation 13, 16 through 18. The Bible says, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in the right hand or in the foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let, hath, let him that hath understanding, there it is again. The Bible says, We will understand these prophecies. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And his number is 603 score and 6. So during the final three and one half years, the mark of the beast can't come on, can't be implemented until the beast is here, right? So during the final three and one half years, the global numbering system that is currently being established right now will then be used to economically sanction individuals into compliance with the Antichrist global governing edicts. So consider the move away from cash. Cash is freedom. The move away from cash and the transition to a digital society. It's a necessary for the implementation of this system. And we're watching precursors to this structure right now, today. You, you, you've heard of the uh, Better Than Cash Alliance. That it's you know based at the United Nations, the Better Than Cash Alliance. It's a partnership of governments, uh, companies, international organizations that accelerates the transition from cash off of a cashless society, again, which is freedom, to a responsible digital payment system to help achieve the sustainable development goals, which is what it always goes back to. Won't have a time to get into that, but that's the United Nations socialistic blueprint for every person on the earth. You've, if you don't understand about the sustainable development goals, man, you've got to, um, you've got to research that. It's very, very important. And this, again, this system, this global numbering system, it's never been possible until right now. It's a 2,000-year-old prophecy, never even possible till right now. And so in May of 2016, you've, um, the, at the United Nations headquarters in New York, the inaugural ID2020 summit was held, brought together 400 of the major tech companies and different people around the world to discuss how to provide what? a unique identification, a unique digital identity to every person on the planet. 2,000-year-old prophecy, everybody. And we're watching precursors to it right now. The ID40 by the World Bank, same thing. 
They, their goal is to provide a unique digital ID to every person on the planet. It's being tested on many people uh, already as we speak. Syrian refugees, uh, different refugees around the world. Um, and so, I, you know, they, they're working on possibly COVID passports. A lot of different things are getting these stuff mixed up in it. And then the number nine proof, the world community led by the Russia and Iran will invade the nation of Israel. It's Zechariah 14, 2-4 and Ezekiel 38 and 39. So when the seven-year term of the peace agreement expires, the Palestinians and the international community will demand that Israel surrender East Jerusalem to become the capital of the Palestinian state. Israel's going to refuse the international community. Israel will refuse, refuse right now. And the international community under a UN flag will invade Israel to force compliance. And it, no matter what, at the end of this final seven-year period, Israel's still going to refuse to surrender Jerusalem. And then in Ezekiel 38, Iran, which is Persia, Russia, which is Meshach, they are going to, they're going to, with, and they're, they're now an alliance. They're, they're partners just like Israel and the United States. They, both Iran and Russia, have military forces uh, around, around Israel, and they're going to invade. Iran's the leading advocate of wiping Israel off the map. And so she's trying to get nuclear weapons right now. She's the number one state sponsor of terrorism on the planet. She's Persia in Ezekiel 38. Russia, Meshach, Gog and Magog. They're going to lead the charge. And Turkey's Togomar in Ezekiel 38. They're going to lead the... You've heard of the uh, Iran-Turkey-Russia axis or the alliance. They're going to lead the charge at the Battle of Armageddon. And so could the fact that all these prophecies, all these things that were prophesied for the end time, that they're all, we're either seeing precursors or they're happening right now, is that just a mere coincidence, everybody? These are nine solid proofs that we're watching precursors to or they're happening right now. Is that just coincidence? Well, I mean, I hardly think so, do you? I mean, folks, we're living in the end time. These are, these are proofs that you can talk to your friends, family, your sphere of influence to. And let them know we're living in the end time. Get a sense of urgency. Get yourself right with the Lord. Because there's coming a time very soon when those clouds are going to split wide open. We're going to see Jesus face to face. And he's going to come back to gather his church. And I've got to be a part of that church. No matter what happens. This has been End of the Age. Brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries. Or if you would like more information we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463 or visit us online at endtime.com.